Shut up and sit down. This feels like a mockumentary of American politics. Like the, <laughs> like he is he is making fun of us. Welcome to Popcraft, where we'll autopsy the screenplays behind your favorite films and TV shows. I'm your host, Carl Albert. Today, I'm sitting here again with Chasey Ridgely back on the pod. Hello, hello. I'm a succession hater. Uh, yeah, <laughs> infamous succession hater, Chasey Ridgely. That's right. We will be talking about what I think is the greatest show on TV today, Succession, and the pilot of Succession, which I think has an actual title, but off the top of my head, I cannot remember it. That would have been maybe something good to have pulled up. Um, it would be really good if I, of us yeah, I came here prepared. Called. Yeah, Succession 101, it's the pilot. So. Yeah. Um, why the greatest? You know, that's a good question. Obviously, that is an inherently subjective statement, but I think it's the best written for me specifically because of the characters. And I think that'll be a common through line in this episode. The characters to me, I was just talking about this with my sister actually, who just caught up on the show, are so well-rounded and feel so real like they have their family dynamic feels so real every little detail about it and it is in the details you know the ways they interact with each other the the little jabs that dig into their like deeper and deepest uh you know psychoses traumas frailties flaws and they just feel very real in a way that a lot of characters in tv shows you know i may love them but they don't necessarily feel like people per se while the characters in succession even though they're like really bad people, still feel like people. Yeah, I was just having that kind of realization when I was, you know, catching up the other night in that I was watching them on screen and I was just like, this does just feel like I'm maybe watching kind of a documentary. Like these could just, this could just be a reality show about a very rich family being very terrible to each other. And I think, you know, the, what you said about character nuances and character details being what makes characters feel more real is something that I totally agree with because I've had this conversation with a lot of people but the the reason that procedurals work so well is because we see them living their day-to-day lives we could find out you know what the favorite candy is of one of the characters on CSI and then we could watch three episodes three seasons of like a very serialized action heavy show and never even know what they eat for breakfast because like they're so involved in their plot and this this piece of their life where like with procedurals and like definitely think with succession like we get to see them doing normal things like for them obviously their normal stuff is like very rich people stuff <laughs> but we get to see the tiny little details of their lives like we get to see Kendall's kids we get to see you know just a tiny little stuff that we don't often get to see with something that's so heavily serialized like this which right. I think really rounds out a serialized show it's interesting you say that and I that's something I want to get back to later because mm. I think that's a really um, fascinating thing to note but first off before we get too deep into things I will say that there will be spoilers for the whole of the pilot obviously yeah and maybe allusions to stuff that happens later on I am going to try to keep things relatively spoiler free for the show at large but I mean you can't help but talk about like when you're talking about a pilot of a tv show you're inherently going to allude to things that happen later on because a pilot's all set up it's all about setup and uh, this show for this show that's certainly true both in terms of what they set up that they end up paying off, you know, two seasons down the line versus what they set up and then decide, actually, that's not a thing and we're not going to come back to that ever again. So let's circle back around then to what you were saying, because I, I, that was a really interesting approach uh, to Succession. 
I definitely thought about how it's more episodic than I think a lot of serialized shows are. Agreed. But I don't think I necessarily fully realize the, the structural similarities that it has with a lot of procedurals in that it does kind of have, like, every episode has individual structure. Like you mentioned before we came onto the pod that every episode is based around an event. And, you know, there are through lines throughout the seasons, you know, who, what company are they trying to acquire, who's trying to acquire them, that sort of thing. And certainly the characters' relationships are the primary through lines. But each individual episode definitely very much plays well on its own, too. Yeah, I think definitely, obviously, we're not talking about season two or season three, but um, when they can ride off the momentum of the plot that they're kind of expanding upon in, like, the seasonal arc, then they will. Um, but when they lose that momentum, they fall back into the safety of those events, birthday parties, weddings, you know, just, like, general parties, meetings. They've, they've done it a lot, and I think the pilot is a really great example of that because it's centered around, you know, the patriarch of the family's birthday party, which is not so much a party and more just, like, a, a very extreme flaunting of wealth. Um, yeah. <laughs> that is, uh, it should be terrible to watch, but then when you go back to you know the rest of the show it's tame in comparison i was thinking that too i was like <laughs> especially after coming off of season three in the last few episodes of that where i've been like With traumatized every episode mm-hmm. coming back to this i'm like oh all the mean things they're saying to each other that's nothing like this this is nothing they're fine like it's almost brought me joy sitting back i was like this is so tame it's, this is so like quiet you know i've seen a lot of analyses of like the way People talk about how they've crossed many lines with each other and we should do a kind of a dive into um, these specific characters and their introductions and what that means in the whole sense of the show. But they've crossed so many lines that they will never, ever be back to the place they are in the pilot with each other. Like they are barely siblings at this point with where the show is. And I think, you know, the type of stuff that they're joking about in the pilot is what they're using as ammunition um, in the later seasons, which is, I think, very interesting because, like, it's still the same issues. They all have the same issues. But I think that's a great way to kind of transition into talking about, like, the character introductions. Yeah, sure. Uh, Let's move on to that then. First and foremost, then, we got to talk about the antagonist of the show and, you know, the sun around who the whole solar system, as it were, uh, mm-hmm. revolves, Logan Roy. Yeah, very interesting to see him. You know, he's the cold open of the show. Um, the first half of the scene, you can't see what's happening. Like, even if you're in the darkest room ever, like, I've tried showing it to people. And, you know, we see him at, not objectively his lowest, but a hint of what his lowest could be. Um, which obviously we see more of later on, which I think it's really interesting because he is not set up in the pilot, I think, as the direct antagonist. I think they they kind of try to set up Walter, I think, a little bit as some kind of like thing for Kendall at the very least. Logan almost looks good compared to his kids in the pilot. And like while that's something that, you know, sometimes he looks better, sometimes he looks worse... It's interesting just kind of like his kids are kind of being rich assholes and Logan is the one, you know, who pulls aside the kid and just goes, you did a good job. Like if we knew nothing else about him, we wouldn't think that he's going to be the one who is the worst. You know what right. I mean? And it, it, what's interesting too, 
about that because that was something I noticed that where he pulls the kid aside late in the episode and is like magnificent job magnificent honestly at first in rewatching this felt out of character to me because I'm like we've seen since then just how truly evil Logan is yeah and then it occurred to me that what he's doing is not so much I don't think it's about honor for him in that moment or anything like you maybe on a first watch would take it as is like, oh, he does have some sort of code of honor. You know, he feels like Roman crossed a line. And I do think he thinks Roman crossed a line, but in a different sort of line than maybe that episode first presents where he's like, Logan's more worried about their image and how then, you know, these people like this leak getting out and that affecting how their family is viewed because he's all about image. He's all about words, you know? And so his apology, or not so much apology, but his compliment and then the gift of the watch is more about trying to control that situation and make making sure it won't get out. And not so much that, you know, the kid, he really cares that much about in any way or feels anything for. I think what you just said, the the control aspect of it is probably what's the most important to him. Um, even probably second to whatever the headline might say if that kind of thing got out. But, like, he wants to be the person with the last word, with the last thought. Like, you are going on stage the way Logan wants you to. Um, and if that anything changes, he will obliterate you. Like, that's kind of his whole jam, is he wants to be the one with the final say in whatever capacity that may mean. That's 100% a great point. Is that is a common through line in the entire show is yeah. that in every scene logan wants to get the last word and he usually does the last like opinion 95 percent of the time and i think like literally the last word or mm-hmm. oftentimes you know he'll, yeah. he'll get the last little jab in at all his kids or at anyone who he's verbally sparring with and that's absolutely what this is is that he wants to be the one to get the last say to mm-hmm. feel like he has control over it. And he usually does have control over the situation. That's part of what's frustrating for me to watch in the show because Logan objectively has a lot of power and influence, but also if people realized how much of that was based on just like everyone around him letting him, you know, it really is this invisible power that Logan continues yeah. to exert that it's like people could turn on him on a dime. And we've seen him almost get to that point. And we've seen him lose battles before, but it it definitely if they actually like really stood up and fought and like everyone stopped just like taking it bending over and taking it as he uh accuses Kendall of doing this episode you know i think they could really crush logan really fast he's a, he's a person he's just a person who has influence the size of a skyscraper yeah and i do think you know if the people trying to take over his company were anyone but his children like that would have happened like, we would not have a show. I agree 100%. Like, the only reason he has power over them is because he's had power over them since the day they were born. Yeah, I agree. Like, he was the one screaming at a four-year-old. You know what I mean? Like, he has that power over them, and he has that control. And they set up the whole plot of the show in the first episode by him taking away what he has already given to Kendall. And, you know, exerting that power and that control in a way that feels uniquely his like he just wants to do it um he just wants to take it away just to see like like everything is set up like that's one of the things that so confuses me about this pilot um every time i rewatch it is like it seems like it's a pretty much a done deal like he's chosen kendall right roman and shiv are out connor's not even on the map and he is just like you know what i don't like the fact that kendall didn't secure this deal 
Yeah. And I'm just going to pull. That he came to my birthday party. Well, I mean, and I think it's like, it becomes very clear. He, he exposits a bit about why he did it. You know, that sometimes business is a big dick contest and sort of clearly he thinks that Kindle should have prioritized business over family. And that is a consistent tension throughout the whole show. But I do think it becomes even more clear as you see his character get more developed and we understand him more that, you know, it's it comes down to that scene in season two, which I won't get too deeply into, but where he, you know, tells Kendall he's not a killer. Mm-hmm. And Logan's like, you know, I'm a killer. You have to be a killer. And that... I think underlines what he's looking for but at the same time I don't think then this is just my reading of his character that anyone's ever going to actually be good enough for him yeah no you know? one I think someone would like almost literally have to kill him for it to be like good enough like he has to be taken out of the picture it's also so funny to me I had this realization watching the last couple of episodes like it's everyone is always just like will you support my dad will you support my dad and everyone is just like yes but he has to be dead like, right. I, I will literally, I will do, I want this company. I'll help you. I'll work under you. But your dad literally cannot be there. Like, everyone who is not their immediate family wants nothing to do with him. And I think that is such an interesting dynamic with, like, the way that he interacts with the world and the way that they put him, when they do put him in a room with someone he's not related to. Like, obviously, there's, there's the people in the company who work for him. Um, but at the same time, you know, we've seen a lot of really good character moments with Logan in which he's had to actually negotiate. He's not amazing at it. No. He's just He's mean. not a god. Yeah. He's mean. He's just mean. And people are afraid to step out of line for him. But there are very few people who do. And it's obvious. He's clearly, yeah, he's competent. Like, he clearly has built up this media empire. But he's flawed. Like, he's not as, he's not a magic deal maker. Like mm-hmm. everyone around him seems to think he is. And, yeah. But it's the perception of that that continues to give him power. Exactly. I mean, this whole show is about, you know, words, the power of words and the power of perception. And, I mean, getting into what this show is about and kind of what we've been talking about is the crux of the show is about this family dynamic. And that the background of the company is just that. It's a background to really this, the interpersonal dynamics and the character dynamics. I think Succession is the definition really of a character driven show you know we we, in writing circles we talk a lot about like plot driven stories versus character driven stories versus theme driven stories and all that uh sort of nonsense and you know i think most stories tend to fall somewhere like within that and i think succession does too to some extent but i really think it's a set piece it's the plot is really there for a structure less so than like Mm -hmm to be like driving events and twists and turns and it's just not that type of show you know it's not like game of thrones which is another show where i think characters drove a lot but it was also much more plot driven yeah. while succession it's like it's baked into the structure of the show to get back to that and the event structure of the show that every episode is its own little event or big event mm-hmm. as it were and the events serve to put the characters together and have them bounce off each other and have them, you know, with what, wherever they're at emotionally, combat one another verbally and sometimes a little physically. And that really is like, that's the show right there, right? Like it's character driven. It's about having these characters just interact. And the pilot works that way too, where there's not much plot, you know? There's an event, there's the birthday party, and, you know, there's the attempted acquisition of Walter, which, like you said, if you read this from a more 
plot-focused perspective, a more traditional perspective, it seems like Volter is going to be a bigger deal. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, spoiler it's just... alert, it's not really. It comes up again, you know, it's it's there. But I, I don't even know if we really hear about it after season one. Uh, maybe, like, allusions to it, but... I think, I think part of the storyline is in season two. But one of the really interesting things that I, you know, as I was kind of paying attention to the pilot a little bit more actively, is the... When, when Greg is watching the video, the first time that we've seen, like, the company name and it's, it's said out loud is on this video that says, I think it's it's either Logan or Kendall um, on the video being, like, Waystar Royco is a family. And I think the definition of this show is that the Roys are a company. Yeah. Which is basically, like, the opposite of what the show and what the company is trying to push. Like, right. that is, like, they are a very rigid dynamic that... It's feels, all about the hierarchies. And it feels the, like work, yeah. And driven, you know, by profit and power more than anything. And, I mean, that's what's sort of wrong with their family. And it all yeah. comes from the top down. You know, it's not trickle-down economics. It's, like, trickle-down, like, emotion. It's, mm -hmm. I, I don't even know mm -hmm. what pun I'm going for here. But, like, it's it's all about that sort of family dynamic and the characters just continuing to torment one another. And that's what you see in this episode. Again, getting back to sort of the plot of it is not much happens. It's just, like, the characters interacting and throwing shade at one another and ripping on one another and riff, riffing off of one another. And it is still compelling, though. I don't think this is, like, that absolute like hookiest pilot of all time but it, it still catches a lot of people's attention because the characters are so rich immediately with you know a few exceptions which maybe we'll get to uh and but let's talk about kendall our lead character our protagonist this is an ensemble show but i mean most ensembles have a lead and i definitely think kendall's the lead in this show's case i mean he gets billed as best actor and not best supporting and right the rest of the siblings are underneath that supporting kind of vibe so i do think at its heart, this is the Kendall and Logan show. Um, but, like, at the same time, everyone is getting eviscerated. Yeah. Constantly. Oh, constantly. <laughs> God. This is not a show to watch if you don't like seeing characters get torn down. Because they just... its That's the entire show. Is It's everyone except Logan. And even Logan occasionally has his moments where he gets, you know, put in his place. Yeah. But the majority of the time, it's Logan putting everyone around him mm -hmm. in their place. Or what he perceives as their place. Mm -hmm. I think... Seeing Kendall, our first introduction to Kendall is him being weird, as per usual. You know, dancing to his little rap music. And, like, we see a version of a businessman that, like, I think is was unique when this show first kind of started. Like, he's not the super sexy, super suave, can talk circles around people. It's hard to watch him talk he's to another person like when he's talking to i forget the Walters guy's name but like lawrence when, i think yeah when he's talking to lawrence like it is hard to watch him conduct a business meeting yeah um and like just i i was thinking about the dialogue and lawrence seemed very timid and very soft-spoken when they're in that meeting room and the second they are out of it he's threatening kendall and it's and it's very interesting to see how other people you know conduct business versus the way that kendall just lives his life because he is not conducting business he's right. simply living his life <laughs> <laughs> i love that take um i think the the music is such an important character introduction too for him because i think it gets to the 
not that his absolute core, but a lot of his most important traits in that one, he thinks he's hip, he thinks he's cool, he, he wants thinks he's to be progressive. Like, yeah. He thinks he's on the same level as like some rapper who rolls up to, you know, a club on a Friday night. Like he thinks he's on that level. Right. And he's using it to hype himself up too, which gives you that kind of his he needs to be hyped up. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, that he's just you see him physically and he's just like an awkward, almost a dweeby, guy. like vaguely narcissistic waspy guy yeah um and i do have to admit i think one of the reasons i love this show is because i feel like a lot of the dialogue especially shit kendall says is like how i would talk if i was on coke all the time mm-hmm. so the sheer cringe of it all is like oh god yeah and the expletives you gotta have you know the very uh extreme insults yeah um and the the wrapping each other around with their words kind of thing. like The clown fuckery that God. they throw left and right. They are all so good at insulting each other. And half of it is fucking improv. Like... Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's the best fucking thing that so many of the best lines. Like a classic Adam McKay, you know, movie. I mean, not Adam McKay's only an executive producer on this, but his movies are known for improvisation and like letting co- comedic actors just go nuts and ham up their lines mm-hmm. and... They fucking, oh my god, Kieran Culkin is magic with it. He has that line, you know, we were talking about before we came on, of the, mm, very serious, yes, mm, mm-hmm. talking to, like, the whole team, uh, Kendall's team, and it just so gets to the core of Roman's character, which I guess, let's transition to Roman then. Oh my god. As the little I... shitty imp fucker that he is. Well, one, we obviously have to talk about his family who disappears. Yes. Um, two, though, I think they really didn't know what to do with him. I think they were trying a, diff- a bunch of different approaches. And then Kieran, I think, definitely brought something really different to the table. Um, because, like, he sends some guy to stage the office. Right. Which I think is played off as a joke, but it feels so out of place. Yeah. Like, genuinely, feels so out of place for Roman. Like... I think he might send someone to teabag the office. Right. But, like, I don't think he would send someone to do, like, profit. And then the guy's gone in two seconds. Right. And I think, you know, that added in with his, you know, his family, his two little daughters and some random-ass woman. Like, Who we do see a few times. Yeah. And he, but then it's they're made to be, like, girlfriend, like, his girlfriend. But the, the his, like, who seemingly are his daughters never appear again. Yeah, exactly. And I think it would have been really easy for them to also do the same exact thing with Kendall, even though he does have a scene with Rava in the pilot. And it's given a little bit more weight, I think, than um, Roman's relationship with anyone. And obviously Connor, I think, is not with anyone. No, not um, in yeah. this episode. Um, I do think it's crucial, though, in that difference between them. I mean, one, if they are if they all have partners, yeah. it's a little re- repetitive. Like, what, what are you going to say that's different? And I think what they ultimately end up saying about Roman as a person is more interesting and yeah. better fits his character as the sort of chaotic one in the middle of them who has weird sexual issues that presumably go back to childhood trauma. Right, 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 right. Um, and I think him having those small scenes in the beginning where he's with other people, like with Logan. Um, and then we get those exposition dumps of him not cutting it. And, um, you know, just kind of, he seems like the baby of the group. Yeah. Genuinely. And for the longest time before actually looking it up, I thought he was. Is he not the youngest? Shiv is. No fucking way. Yeah, Shiv is the youngest. What? Yeah. 
It's Connor, Kendall, Roman, Shiv. I thought what he the was fuck? the baby for the longest time. He acts like it. He acts he like acts the youngest like sibling. The sub- youngest sibling. I agree, but I do think it's. I think the gender dynamics are like at play there, a hundred percent. I guess that makes sense because Logan does kind of treat Shiv like he would maybe the youngest yeah. kid. I always associated she gets just away with a lot that being that she was the one daughter. But I guess I agree. she's yeah. the youngest and the daughter. Interesting. Yeah. I only learned that very recently. So I did view the first two seasons. Like, I thought that was the the order, but it's not. Let, let's talk about Shiv for a second, because I think she is a bit underwritten in this episode. And I think she does kind of come into her own in the second episode. She, you see a lot more of her personality and her values. But like you mentioned before we came on the pod, that it's interesting that she's introduced with Tom. Mm-hmm. That... Yeah. Her dynamic there really seemed, at least at the time, to be a defining feature for her. And they, like, pay lip service to her role as, uh, you know, someone working in politics, but... We don't see it at all. We do not see it at all. Yeah, and I do know that they, obviously, they dive into that um, in the first season. But putting her in a seemingly good place with Tom you know, kind of framing her next to the the significant man in her life who is also trying to impress the other significant man in her life um, and the rest of the significant men in her life. Like, she's, you know, very much an overcompensating workhorse from the beginning, which I think is a good character introduction, but, like, for her being one of the only women that we see. Um, I mean, it's guess it's her, Marsha, and Rava, who Rava, I could talk about for a million years but she just cannot speak a single sentence without in, um insulting kendall um, <laughs> but like you know i think shiv is drowning in a sea of male male energy yeah constantly she's constantly fighting for her way back up to the surface and i think we do see that this episode yeah because i obviously logan's going around trying to convince them to sign these papers well Kendall is pissed that he's lost his chance and um and Shiv just goes yeah just give it give me CEO like that's what I want like if you want me to sign these papers just give that to me I think she knows she's not going to get that but like hearing her dad at least at that point hearing her dad say well maybe is like well shit what it was that easy like it's it's maybe on the table (laughs) like like she's not even she didn't even try to go to the company like this is the first hint presumably that this is the first time that she's you know um even shown interest because she is working in an entirely different sector well i do think that one little exchange definitely starts her on her character arc in her you know like you said that she is sort of a, a woman defined by the men around her you know, for good or ill, like, I think that is a continuing tension for her. Mm-hmm. And it, it is played up. Like, it's not ignored. Like, that is actively a yeah. point of her character is that she's 100%. a woman who, like, in this male-dominated company and this male-dominated family, I um, mean, which is, I don't think it's played up maybe as well or as, as... As interestingly as it could be. In this pilot, yeah. But I do think, I mean, spoilers, but I do think that's what breeds her resentment for her relationship. Yeah. Like, 100% is, like, Tom is always on the table for head of ATN, head of media, like, whatever, whatever. That's an interesting And, thought, like, yeah. and she is fighting for her life to get something important outside of that. And it's just, like, even even with his risks and stuff in season three, she is still having to fight for a seat at the table. Right. Like, there's so many instances of, like, she doesn't like PDA. She doesn't like, 
you know, anything, like, that would make her seem more womanly, which is, you know, I think something that we see a lot with, like, these type of women characters. And, like, there's good sides and bad sides with, you know, leaning into those tropes. Right. But I think, you know, once again, actor-wise, Sarah Schnuck is the reason that it, like, works. Yeah. They do, down the line, a really nuanced approach to it, which is part of what I like, is that they don't stray away from her privilege. Like, there are times where she feels like she should just be handed something, and Mm -hmm. it, like, clearly, you know, it's like, I'm sorry, no, like, you actually need the training. You've not been in this company, so yeah, maybe you're not right for this role. I mean, that's getting into later show stuff, while at the same time showing she's constantly looked past because she is a woman. Yeah. And, And that's fucked up, and she has to constantly contend with that. But the other thing I wanted to say was Roman does get an interesting character introduction that it like at least highlights a lot of his personality and he like stands out in the scene. Kendall, I think definitely does. Logan, I think does. And arguably I would say Tom is really the one who stands Tom out more in that, that intro. Yeah, where yeah. it's clearly you get understand so much more about him where he's uh, he's a people pleaser. He's trying to suck up to Logan and I just feel like you get so much more of his personality there than you do of hers. And my pitch would be that maybe she comes late to the birthday thing. Maybe she's doing what Kendall couldn't do and, you know, is working. I think that would have been a more inter- interesting That's way to introduce very her. interesting, yeah. You know, it's like have her actively working and to show her doing her job separate from the family. Like she could have know? been at work on the phone with Tom while he was shopping. Exactly. Like it could have been the same exact scene. And exactly. she comes late. And... and you would have established a different dynamic, highlighted more of who she is rather than just like, oh, here's a little phone call. All right, back to my husband. Because they get there with her. Like, that's such a crucial thing for her. But I feel like she was really kind of given the short end of the stick in the pilot. I mean, obviously this is something I also... I mean, I have a huge disagreement with her season one arc as a whole. Like, I mean, spoilers aside, like, um, just the aspect of her being the main female character and then her having to be the one, like, having an affair... And, like, having her marriage so wrapped up in what she is trying to do in the show, I think is, like, such an interesting place to play, like, put the the only girl in the family. Right. But I think, um, you know, just viewing this as someone who knows Tom, like, season three Tom, mm-hmm. like, I was just, like, I always forget that that Tom and Greg scene exists in the pilot i always forget and i just like coming into it as someone who knows nothing about the show what do people think this man is about you see him with shiv you see him try to bribe logan he makes a stupid joke and then you see him take his wife's cousin and do what whatever that was at this party like who is this guy he always stood out to me yeah in the show from the get-go because of that scene it's that and it's matthew but like and it's it's you know it's well right that yeah, 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 yeah. matthew mcfadden does an amazing job i mean all the actors do an amazing job uh, like that's another reason why i think this is the best show on tv is just the cast from the top cast to bottom even phenomenal. the side characters like yeah. you know the one-off characters are like great actors and the leads are just amazing they deserve all the awards but that scene is so fucking weird and the way he plays it because it's not just that he's like fucking with greg in a like fucked up kind of impish like power abusive way he then tells greg like would you would you kiss me 
would you kiss me? Like, that's a whole part. The weird sudden, the sexual undertones of their relationship is there from the get-go. From which the is get-go. such an unusual, like, you don't see that on TV very often. Yeah. You, you get, sure, you get, like, queer baiting and stuff, but not, like, this specific type of, like, weird sexual power dynamic thing going on with it, something that isn't a clearly, immediately romantic arc. Especially in a pilot where that's not remotely the focus, you know, and they're sort of their own little couple outside of the family at times. Right. It's such a weird, it stands out, that character interaction. And I think it's to the core of what works about the show in general and what works about this pilot are those very specific character interactions where you have these dynamics introduced that like, especially as a pilot, you don't know what to make of it, but it is immediately like hooks you in because you're like, what the fuck is going on in this guy's head? Yeah. That he's like, you're like, clearly he's like, tripping on his power a little bit and like he's like oh this i can fuck with this guy like this guy i can own but the way he does it what the like the the specifics of that are just so fucking weird that he makes it sexual immediately yeah i think it's it's something to consider that we never really see like i almost want to have seen what tom's introduction to this family looked like yeah like did shiv and tom start dating after he started working there like, did he start working there because of her? Like, you know, there's a whole, like, what? Because Kendall and Roman and Connor, um, which we still have to talk about him, um, they don't really interact with Tom that often. I think Mm-mm. Roman does the most. Yeah. But even then, it's just barely. Like, what did, what did you know, the only girl in the family's, like, boyfriend turned husband, like, what did that introduction look like? Right. He's also so weird. He's a fucking weirdo. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously they've just recently kind of, you know, hinted at the fact that like Shiv is way out of his league and like, and like, how did he manage to do that? And it's just like, how did he manage to do that? Yeah. And it's, it's something that's so interesting to me, especially because the way that he changes, it's a great example of writing in terms of when you think about characters and the way that they interact with, you know, certain people. Like, you know, okay, yeah, you can have a character who's just, like, you could call them abrasive. But, like, are they abrasive with everyone? Like, right. Like, it's like, okay, they're abrasive with their boss or they're abrasive with their with their friend. But maybe they're so nice to the person at the checkout lane. You know? Right. And Tom's a perfect example of, you know, he talks to Shiv a certain way, talks to Logan a certain way, um, talks to siblings a certain way, talks to Greg. Completely Completely different. different. <laughs> yeah. He sexually harasses and bullies Greg constantly. And, you know, I do think that the power dynamic of it all is something that's definitely part of it. You know, he's he's bottom feeder with this family. And with Greg, he's totally not. Right. Um, but Tom is fascinating. Tom is so fascinating. He's he's probably my favorite character on the show. Just I just think he's so interesting. And where his art goes... Oh, I love it. Se- yeah. Season three has really started leaning into some certain aspects too that some are Tom stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the things that I have thought a lot about in terms of, you know, when I've thought about even like specking the show or, um, you know, writing, writing things that could relate to it. Like I thought about how unpredictable I, I felt that way after season two, like going into season three. Now I feel like I could maybe have a better grasp on like reactions and, yeah. and, and, you know, responses, but most of the time, I genuinely do not have an idea of what is about to come out of someone's mouth. Right. Like, I don't know what 
Shiv's reaction would be to an outlandish idea from someone. Like, right. I didn't know. And, like, now it's just sort of, like, I kind of have a better idea. We, we have definitely, over the many seasons, seen them in so many different, wildly mm-hmm. different situations that I think I'm with you that we have a slightly better, but it's still, it's like there's always that level of unpredictability. Like, you get with real people where, like, yes. you never yeah. know what, like, a thousand things are going through their brain and how those things are then going to, like, how the cards are going to be laid out. You know, how, what fucking insane tempest of emotion is going on that's going to lead to them spewing you know verbal vomit and like what does it say that the best episode on the best show on tv right now is the one that is probably the hardest to write unless you're the people who are doing it right you know what i mean like it would be probably crazy hard to even broach like coming up with some batshit set piece for them to just bully each other to But on that note, can we talk about Connor? Because I have a Connor. very, I have a very interesting kind of like tidbit about his intro. I think, which okay. is he's introduced like some random at the party. Like the first time we see him, he's already just with a group of people at the party. We do not know that he is like their sibling until he goes out of his way to go happy birthday pops to to oh, his yeah. dad. Like it is, it's an interesting kind of like he's just one of this crowd. Which is how he's treated through the whole show. He's the outsider. He's the outsider. He gets and, a good intro that way, I think. And sometimes, and it's it's a pointed intro. It's definitely something that like fits him. Yeah. His character is not trying to outgrow that intro. Like I think you know, like you know, with Shiv, you know, we could see her doing way more. We we could totally maybe we could even see Roman doing more. But like yeah. Connor is perfectly fine. Like that's, where he's at, right? And, you know, he's perfectly fine giving a sourdough starter to his billionaire dad. <laughs> exactly. That's that's exactly what I was going to get to, which is you don't get a lot of, like, the nuances of his character in this episode, but you get to the core of his character immediately. In that way, he may have the best introduction yeah. in the episode uh-huh. because, first of all, you immediately get he's an outsider in the family. You immediately get that he's kind of dirt for brains, like weirdo living in the country. God. And then... <laughs> You also then get, like, he actually kind of has a sweetness to him. I'm you a know? con head. Yeah, I, I, I've slowly become a con head, I you like know? I con- like Connor a lot. Uh, he, like, if I knew him in real life, I probably would not like him. But that said, in the show, I think, I think he has one of the purer hearts. Like, he clearly cares about his family. And his gift is really sweet. Like, it's the sweetest gift. Yeah. And, of course, he gets beat down for it. Like, yeah, it's a fucking weird thing, and it's hilarious, but also, like, that's him actually, like, trying. Mm. He tries with his family in a way that no one else really does, not not in the same way. I mean, there's so much um, online about Connor, obviously. Like, he was their dad growing up. Yeah. Like, he he was the one who took them places. He was, he, he took the role of older half-sibling incredibly seriously, and, you know, that that's another like kind of way to break stereotypes right like you know he's he's their half sibling it would have been really easy to make him the asshole who had nothing to do with the family but like he obviously cares about his siblings a lot yeah and but he's old enough and therefore mature enough not to rise to the bait yeah like he like he gets shit on constantly and i think you know it's it's a character choice for him to just be like yeah that's just how they treat me and it doesn't get to me anymore. 
he handles it fine, right? Like, yeah. he's, like, generally... You know, there are times he gets kind of hurt, but, like, it, in general, he takes insults better than any of them. Oh, yeah. Easily. Like, oh, he, yeah. Well, it's weird, because he has the same sort of weird rich person narcissism where he thinks he can become president. Yeah. Which becomes a plot line later on. Uh-huh. But he also gets insulted and doesn't, like, break down the way the others do. You know? Yeah. Where the others are so fragile. Well... Where you, you poke them hard enough, and they start screaming. I mean, it's it's interesting because, like, they all think they're amazing. But when it's pointed out to the main three, they break a little bit. Like, Kendall cannot handle looking at himself in the mirror. No. Shiv definitely cannot. And Roman knows every single thing that is fucked up about himself, but at the same time hates when people point it out. He hates being reminded that other people can tell. Right. Connor's weird. We're told that both through the you know he's very different from his family in the pilot and whatever whatever but like he's never had a steady girlfriend like those kind of people you know that there has to be something weird with them right and like so he's probably been told that he's weird and doesn't fit his entire life right he knows yeah you know i think it's really easy to make that kind of character violent and intolerable He's just vibing. He's living his own life. He is just vibing. And he is just vibing. And now, you know, spoilers, has an escort as a girlfriend. And he's just vibing with her. And I love her. I love her. She's not even the pilot. I know. We can't go down too uh, deep a rabbit hole with... We can't even talk about Jerry. I know we're Jerry. Jerry's not even in this episode. She's not even in it. Like, Frank Uh, isn't it? Frank is in the episode. But Carl's not. Carl's not, no. People just appear. I think yeah. people just appear and we're told to kind of, like, accept that they've always been there. And um, you just do. And, but they, you know, and that's fine. Yeah. I'm okay with that. The world feels big enough. And, the, well, I think one of the crucial w- ways in which it works is characters are always introduced through the eyes of our, you know, characters. So when our, you yeah. know, the, like, the, one, the main characters. So when we see them... Basically, that the main characters accept them as being a part of this world. Yeah. So then the audience accepts them as being a part of this world. Like, you, you, it, it doesn't have to be any more difficult than that. Where it's like, oh, yeah, okay, of course they have this person who fills this role. And they're going to appear in these two episodes, you know. And then they give them a fun little personality and some fun little one-liners like Carl's, you know, I think I'm having a panic attack or whatever it is. A good example, I think, of what you just said is Carrie. Which we obviously don't know until season three, but she's just suddenly Logan's assistant. Yeah. She's there for half the season, and only in the last couple of episodes have they started being like, Carrie. And like they've Mm -hmm. started actually like kind of pointing her out, but she's been there the entire time in the background. And like just been in the background, and she's also speaking. You know who I noticed that with too is Logan's bodyguard. He's in the pilot. Yeah. He has a few Uh throughout this series actually very important scenes where he actually Uh like has an impactful role. Yep. But in general, like, I don't know if they actually keep the actor on or not. I, I, if I rewatch the show sometime, I'm going to have to, like, look and, like, how many episodes does he appear in, I guess. Yeah. Or, like, if you go to IMDb, like, what does it say? But he's just there. And he has, like, two lines in this. Mm-hmm. But you, like, you know who he is. You don't, like, doubt it. it. It is a lot of that background work where, like, maybe that's part of it, too. Maybe that's a consistent thing they do is where they have these characters appear in the background yes. and yeah. say, like, one or two lines of exposition. So it's like, oh... You, like, subconsciously kind of, without fully registering them, like, notice they're there. And then when they become more important, you're, like, you've accepted they're there. So they don't, they don't draw attention to themselves, yeah. per se. Actually, that is a consistent thing in the show, too, with even, like, sort of opposing characters. You know, season three has a lot of 
uh, characters who come in and out of the show who are like, you know, different business figures. And a lot of times they get talked about. So like you may not actually remember their name, but you know they've been talked about. And you kind of know mm-hmm. a little bit about them when they mm-hmm. finally come on screen. So it's like there is some setup done before they're like thrown in there. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's another good thing is like the show can reference itself very, very well, both with the actors on screen and also in the dialogue. Like there, there's nothing that is forgotten because in this world it's been like two months. Right. Like it's not been that long. It like really not hasn't. even not even been that long. Like it's this is all just going to shit so quickly. So quickly. But for us it's been three years. So yeah. it's it's crazy to even dive into like how different everyone is. But we cannot forget Greg. Oh yes, we have to. Last but not least. <laughs> our cousin intro Greg. our intro into this crazy family. Not technically, but like every good show has the newcomer. Yeah. I think that he's definitely a take on that. In some capacity. The POV into the world. The, the, someone, the, yeah. the person who is new and like how does this person, how does this family react to the new person? Right. I mean he has a great character intro. He really does. He, well what's interesting is I remember to like, Greg is sort of immediately relatable in that he's mm-hmm. the, the he's least the wealthy of them. You yeah. know, he still has like a stupid amount of privilege that he can just go to his yes. great uncle and ask him for a job. But... He is the everyman of the show in a weird way. And I think he sort of in that way embodies what the tone of the show that like this stoner, weirdo, awkward guy who like talks like an intellectual at times. Like he really, especially when he's around smart or not people he perceives as no, smart, he's trying, ups Carl. his he's vocabulary. Not actually, he's not actually like doing it well. He's trying. He's trying, right. He's like, you know, I'm just kind of, I'm oscillating between this watch and another really fantastic i I can't even do it i can't even do it because i don't have the the width of like vocabulary um like where did he learn all these big words (laughs) i well that is what's so interesting is because he uses them correctly like when you you're watching it's not like he's making up shit like there are times where the characters are like clearly like talking out of their ass but greg usually is like Greg's dialogue is like if they wrote down a normal sentence and then decided to replace every verb or adjective with like a very the extreme synonym. Yeah. Like the longest version of those it's, words. It's like, oh my god, you know exactly what it is. Is It's like when you're like in high school or something and you break open the thesaurus with an essay because yeah. you don't want to use the same word over and yes. over. So, yeah, or even you're as like, a writer, Carl. You talk about lexicons and, yes. you know, like my lexicon is large enough to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. write Greg's dialogue. Um, yeah, I think he definitely, you know, his introduction is great. He's, you know, uh, working at an amusement park, stoner vibes, um, and then showing up at a place where you, as a viewer, can tell he very obviously does not belong. Like we see, Lo- we see Logan treating people like shit. We see Logan people um, like stepping on glass around him, right. and then Greg just gets in the elevator with him, and, and you're just like, he's just squirming for for handouts. Like he's like, just give me anything. Like he'll do whatever. Mm-hmm, he like, mm-hmm. the, you have the whole little interaction where the, this is cousin Craig, and he's like, up, oh, yeah, she- you know, it's Greg, but uh, I, you know, some, some people mistakenly call me Greg, Craig, and it's that's okay. Yeah, she goes. <laughs> It's Greg, right? Yeah. And it's just like, I mean, that's even a good character moment of like, she knows she who knows. her cousin is. Yeah. And, you know, other people couldn't give a shit. What, yeah. And, but what, what I was going to say earlier actually is 
Greggs was weirdly a character who, like, he was instantly sort of relatable in that he's the one of them who is the everyman, but he also felt almost kind of boring to me at first, where he was, like, he just kind of felt like he was the stoner side character. And Oh, you, totally. You know, like, he kind of, I was like, oh, what an I- intro that he vomits out of the rabbit costume's eyeballs. Like, that's hilarious. But... He didn't have anything that really, like, stood out to me that much, but he does start, as he starts going along, he gets these little details. Well, anyway, I don't know. I just, I think Greg is such a great and likable character, and I actually, I think the dialogue is a big one that does make him stand out. The way yeah. he talks, I think, is, the way everyone talks, mm-hmm. it tells you so much about them. Mm-hmm. The way Greg talks, you know, tells you he's trying to be seen as intelligent, he's trying to, like, squirm his way into some role, struggling up this business ladder, but that he's just not equipped for it. Like, he's really not trained for any of these jobs. It's something that's super interesting, because the way that everyone talks, like, Logan speaks in full and complete sentences. He gets his point across. Whenever his kids are talking to him... When he's not grunting. Yeah, yeah. When he's not just going, "Mm." (laughs) He He and Geralt of Rivia have a lot in common, in terms of their vocabulary. Yes. Um, (laughs) But, like, you know, the kids constantly when talking to their dad like are interrupting themselves they're going getting through half a sentence and trying to catch the vibe and see like what direction they should go they are constantly picking tributaries of like dialogue maps of trying to figure out exactly what to say in the right moment it's much more mutable with them yeah and i think you know while greg doesn't talk to logan that often but like greg is also kind of doing that like, I feel like everyone who is seen as lesser in the view of in the lens of the show from Logan, like, has a tough time getting themselves across. Yeah. Um, and it's such an interesting, I think, choice. Logan is clearly, he's the rock there, where he's yeah. the most solid. He doesn't doubt himself. He just He does not to doubt it. himself. But at the same time, he's Even when constantly he's... contradicting himself. Right. And he's, like, wrong frequently. The first season yes. makes that very clear. Uh-huh. Is like, it... it you know mild spoilers but that like his health is struggling and he's not all there all the time and he makes some decisions that are like clearly he's not in the right mind if there was a lawyer present they would have been like he is not in the right state of mind to make this decision Mm -hmm. but the family fucking bends over and takes it and lets him make that decision it's uh it is it's an interesting dynamic so one thing before we uh start closing things down that i definitely want to talk about is how much of a pilot this is and by that I mean, like, they're clearly still getting their footing, you know? We talked about, like, little missteps, like, not introducing Siobhan as well as they could, you know, or little plot lines maybe ended up never being a plot line, like Roman having daughters mm-hmm. or a single daughter, whatever the situation is there. He's married, isn't he? Yeah. What's going on? But, like, I love this show so much. And I honestly, looking back, I like this pilot a lot. And I did the first time I saw it, but it, like, it just straight up, like, misses something. Like, they're clearly figuring out what the story still is at this point, which I even looked up. And you excuse it with a lot of pilots because you're like, oh, it's a single sort of test episode. And then maybe off of the pilot, they get ordered to series. So they haven't even had a real writer's room. Mm -hmm. They haven't, you know, plotted the whole thing out yet. This show is ordered straight to series. I mean, I assume a pilot script was written before it all, but, like, that right. wasn't what they shot. Like, they'd arced out a season then, and yet they and still somehow yeah. had these classic pilot issues. So that's one thing I'm very curious about. And also just that I wanted to acknowledge that, like, even with a show this well-written, that, like, you still have... It's okay to be kind of stumbling a bit and trying to figure it out, because 
You know, I'm sure a lot of the decisions they made were based off of working with the actors. And it came after the season was written. For sure. That, you know, they they casted and worked with Kieran Culkin and were like, oh, this is who Roman is. You know, he's he's more impish. He's more, I, I don't know, has his weird sex things. Like, they really honed in on his weird brief exchange with Siobhan where he's like you know yes. she's like what is that date rape and he's like he's you, like, you wish. wish yeah I was you thinking wish. about that because like, he's, he's making the same kind of jokes arguably worse obviously later on but like there's so many does he constantly now yeah he, there's so many tiny little I think those are the tiny little details that we were talking about in the beginning like the tiny little details that define these characters are what stays through three seasons of incredibly watchable television. Yeah. Like it is Shiv's liberalness that is very briefly mentioned, but is very much a plot point now. Oh yeah, it is. You know, I was actually thinking about how, like, how it inter- interesting it is to start here. We're starting with Logan taking away what he has promised Kendall. What is that becomes obviously the big question of the show. Kendall moving forward with the company and even Walter as the first acquisition um, that we see marks this company attempting to move forward, become more progressive. And we are arguably further back than we were at the beginning of this show. Right. When it comes to where is Waystar. Right. Because like it is all just Logan holding on so tightly to the point where he is, it is like, if there's a tug of war, it's everyone versus Logan. And somehow that ribbon is going towards Logan. Well, like, it's cause they all end up like, he like bullies them a bit and then they all start walking towards his side. Yeah, like, literally <laughs> like they're all taking crazy. turns to help him. They're all, I just think it's sort of interesting to see that we could still go for three more seasons if we wanted to. Yeah. Like, I did think after season two that it would get old. And mm. it's just like, this has been, season three has been such a shit show. It's like, it is not getting old. Right. Because, like, holy crap. That is the danger in these shows uh, that aren't so plot driven is that you don't have the big twists and turns to keep things dynamic and interesting. Yeah. Is it, it really has to be the characters' relationships that have to keep shifting and changing. And you have to keep learning new things about the characters. Yeah. Like, that has to, because there, I feel like, there has to be progress in a show. Like, dynamics have to change to keep people interested. So you talked about procedurals. A lot of times people lose them if they don't just, like, casually watch one when they're on TV, you know? If they follow them consistently, I, a lot of times I've noticed people will stop following them after, like, one or two seasons because it's like, oh, it's the same thing over and over. And, like, you know, maybe, maybe they get a little longer, but, like, eventually people, like, kind of start drifting away. And when you have a show, I think... Any type of show, you need something new to constantly reinvent. And with a procedural and with a show like this that is so character-driven, you have to keep unveiling new things about the characters to really keep people wanting to watch. Like, there has, they have to know that they're still going to be surprised. You know, like you said, where you're like, what are they, what's going to come out of their mouth next? Uh, if you don't have the plot surprises of like, oh, here's the Red Wedding. What yeah. is it that's going to keep people invested? You know, obviously they emotionally want to follow these characters, but like, when you're doing the same thing every episode, like Succession generally is, and you're not having that many wild events that completely change the course of the show, you know, even the big wild events that we have had in the show, which happened at both ends of the season, I won't get into spoilers of, didn't really change the trajectory of the show. It just changed how the relationships operated. Yeah. 
I can't really remember what it felt like to be this person, but I was this person and then I watched the pilot and I didn't love it. Yeah. And then I watched a couple episodes and I didn't love it. And like, I do this thing where every time I go home, like I watched a lot of TV that like I haven't gotten a chance to watch because I have nothing to do. And I watched all of season one after season two had started airing. And I think I was watching season two as well. I did not like the show. I was not, I was not there until the finale of season one. Interesting. Like, the finale of season one changed it for me completely. Because I was building to something, and I was like, okay, we get it. Like, someone's going to get picked, whatever, whatever. But, like, it completely shattered the dynamics that they had been building the entire season. And now I was just like, yeah, he's just a stupid little dog now. And I was just like... Right. And it's just like, now I get to watch him get killed again and again and again and again. And it's just like, it gets kicked around. And it's like, that's interesting to me like we are we are watching the the tragedy of it all like there was that we're keeping it vague but if you know you know (laughs) like yeah like um there was that that article about jeremy strong about how he thinks he's playing hamlet like right he is he is playing kendall like he is hamlet and it is fascinating to watch our main our main boy going further and further and further down and oh, like yeah. all of them are going down it's and a it's downside like, we are watching with them like all disintegrate rising moments you know where you you have what seem like victorious moments for the characters where they grow or learn something but then you find out oh they haven't really changed at all yeah. or if anything they're getting worse and that they're... this this victorious moment is pushing them down a worse path yeah it's hard to watch it is Oh, it, it's it's a tragedy. It's no doubt a tragedy, 100%. and it's very. I talk all the fucking time, the fucking little Shakespeare nut job nerd yeah. that I am about how Shakespearean it is. But it is. It is. It very is. It's a. It's a. What's weird though is it's like. Well, actually, you know, that goes back to Shakespeare. Shakespeare made dick jokes and was very crude in yeah. Romeo and Juliet and Hamlet and stuff. And so, even in his tragedies, there was a dark, crude sense of humor, which this show gets, which I think is a big part of its appeal too. Is that it's. It, would, it wouldn't be watchable if there wasn't humor. It would just be too brutal, at least for me, I think. I think Agreed. it would just be yeah. miserable to watch. But you have the humor that helps make it palatable. So that, like, even as you're watching the worst things happen to the worst possible people, you're laughing some while you're doing it. You know, it's like, oh, there's so much I want to talk about in the latest episode or the latest few episodes where it's like, that was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. I feel awful. I feel like someone just dunked me in oil and shat on my brain. Yeah. But I laughed. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it, it yeah, it's it's the little it's, secret sauce. It's Logan calling someone a slur and then you being like, "Well, that means a lot of terrible things, but like at the same time it's kind of funny." <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's it's just oh god, I can't even begin to think about the last episode. I know. Woof. It's woof, brutal. Woof, woof. But it's brutal. It's it's riveting. It is. It's just you riveting television. You cannot stop looking. No, it's a car crash that you can't look it away from. It is a from. car crash. It is a three season long, so far, car crash. Supposedly, it's, they have five seasons arced right? out. Right, Which is crazy, because I keep... I'm like, how have you arced out five seasons when and everyone involved with this show like... says that they make up every season as they go? I'm like, it, does five seasons mean that like they know each of the ending points do they know the ultimate end point and they're like we'll get there in five seasons whatever that looks like like how do you do that i'm very yeah. curious about what goes on in uh jeremy armstrong's not jeremy jesse J- jesse armstrong's head 
Um, he's a fascinating, fascinating dude. If you've seen some interviews of him, and just his voice. I mean, if you look at the shit he's written. I had a I had a thought the other day. I was thinking about. Um, I haven't seen other things that he's written, uh, but like him being British, I just made the connection. Like in the past, like year, makes complete sense because. this feels like a mockumentary of american politics like the, <laughs> like he is he is making fun of us completely you're so um, right but it's at the same time like the show is laced with british humor like it's all british humor it's so british it um, really is once you like realize that it it and especially if you watched a lot of like bbc shows or whatnot like yeah. you're like you can see it as like it feels very british and i think it's actually part of what will keep it from being like uber giant enormous smash hit you know it's it's been successful and it continues to be hbo's most critically acclaimed show but i, I mean, think I that think may be the little thing that holds it back from being like game of thrones you know i think we would we would be hearing it as a water cooler show if people were at the water cooler in the past two and a half years that's you know pro- I mean? probably like, true. I think, it definitely has changed the dynamic COVID and all yeah i think because the handmaid's tale was that show until it wasn't and then that season one it was completely definitely. lines up with the with the pandemic you yeah. know what i mean so i think same with hbo um same with succession but i think it's definitely trying to be like they're like post game of thrones they're definitely pushing it sort of their flagship guy. show yeah. they're, they're a little guy they're a little guy they're a little fucking kinky <sighs> nightmare you know personality disorder filled guy god i just want to pull out the dsm and let's just diagnose all of these people i would love that that yeah. we deserve this we should a do a, a bonus episode yeah where we should just do that <laughs> for the fans the internet. for the culture yeah 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 and get canceled on the internet that's uh, that, like, you know um, that's how i want to go out with borderline don't actually act like that um, <laughs> um we don't actually see them taking pills so why would you say they're medicated <laughs> god so stupid all right. Well, I think this is a good place to call it. Thanks for coming on, Chasey, especially sort of pseudo last minute. Yeah, um, I mean, thanks for having me. I love talking about terrible... I mean, it's not terrible in the sense that it's terribly made, but it's it's just a terrible show. It's horrible. It's just horrible, terrible, no good, very bad show. Yes. <laughs> um, well, I know I'll have you and hopefully Caroline, too, back soon to talk about Arcane. <gasps> yes! Which I still need to watch the rest of, so that's a little teaser. Um, is we'll be getting to Arcane soon, which will be exciting, the first animated thing we'll talk about. I don't know when it'll be, but hopefully before the new year or I... shortly after. Yeah, it'll be it'll be exciting. All right, then. Well, any last words on Succession? Um, I just think that slime puppies are cool. There you have it, folks. <laughs> Some people <laughs> will know what I mean. All right, then. <laughs> Well, thanks for listening as usual. Please leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Share it on social media. Consider donating to our Patreon or joining our Discord where we are building a community of writers who want to learn from one another. Last but not least, email me at popcraftpodcast at gmail.com with the types of movies and shows you want to see us discuss on this podcast. Until next time, I'm your host, Carl Albert, and this is Popcraft.